Hello, and welcome to Teach the Children the Truth, Ethnic Studies and Rasa Studies in the TK-12 Classroom. First, I'd like to apologize for not having released an episode last week, Valentine's week. And as some of you may be aware, if you're close to me, if you're on my social media, or if you've checked in with my website, that I had a rough day on Valentine's Day. I had a a student in crisis. I was unable to release. I was just dealing with my own emotions around this issue. And thankfully, my student is doing better and has returned to school. But I just wanted everyone to know I wasn't able to release an episode because I needed to take care of myself. I'm back on track again, and I'm excited to be here to bring you another episode this week. The Ethnic Studies Design Team, focusing primarily on TK through eight ethnic studies development. She is in her first year as a TOSA in this position, and she's doing an amazing job. I wanted to be able to highlight the wonderful work that is happening in Oakland Unified School District that in many ways has become a model for districts around the state and even around the nation. I know that folks across the country have been talking about the work that is happening in Oakland, and I'm very excited to be able to bring Leah to you this morning. This week, I'm very excited to bring my second interview this time with another dear friend of mine and also a very amazing colleague, Leah Aguilera. Leah is currently in a position at Oakland Unified School District as a teacher on special assignment who is in charge of Leah and I attended middle school and high school together in Berkeley Unified School District. Leah also had some similar experiences in terms of her exposure to ethnic studies related pedagogy and curriculum in the Berkeley schools. I am super excited to be able to bring her talents and thoughts and ideas to you in this space. Without further ado, here is Leah Aguilera. I am really excited to be here with my good friend, Leah Aguilera. I've known Leah for many years, actually. Um, Currently, she is a TOSA, a teacher on special assignment at Oakland Unified School District. Her area of focus is ethnic studies, TK-12. And so, Leah, I'd love for you to just do a quick intro and tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get to some questions. Sure. I'm happy to be here as well. Um, And it's nice to chat with you in this form, the structured way. Usually we chat and it's just about what's going on in our life. So this is exciting. Um, Yeah, I spent 25 years in the classroom. I've taught everything from preschool all the way up through ninth grade. Um, Mm. And after 25 years in the classroom, the pandemic hit. My father was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And I've always been involved in ethnic studies in the classroom. And so a position opened up to become a TSA for Ethnic Studies in Oakland Unified. And I jumped um, for two two reasons, really. The first, you know, just to do the work that I love. And then the second, to spend more time with my father while the pandemic was going on. Right, right. 
Um, thank you for sharing that. I think it's it's important, you know, to bring our humanity into this work and to be able to connect with not only our personal reasons for the work we do, but also to be able to care for our family in that process so that we can also model for our students what we ideally hope for them. So thank you for, for sharing that part of yourself. Yeah. First of all, did you always want to be an educator? And um, if not, what did you want to be before you came to education? Yeah, no, I didn't want to always be an educator. I wanted to be um, a musical theater star. I just wanted to dance my life away and sing. So I wanted to end up on Broadway. Um, I actually found a notebook recently that I had written when I was 10 and it was to plot out my life and wow. everything pretty much lined up except that I wasn't, I would be teaching theater in New York right now according to my, my 10 year old life plan. And I do think of, uh, there's a lot of correlations between <laughs> teaching and theater. Absolutely. Um, so yes. I, yeah, so beware what you write when you're 10. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did not want, I didn't think about becoming an educator. School was not for me. So I, how I was inspired to become an educator was actually super personal in that um, I feel like I, checked out of education around fifth grade. My mom can cite things even younger. She can, I remember her telling me a story about being in a kindergarten classroom and they wanted us to put um, like paper mache on our face to make a mask. Mm -hmm. And the white color really bothered me, right? It wasn't who I saw in the mirror. Wow. Um, I don't have that memory. My mom has told me stories, but I remember checking out of education around fifth grade. I found that I could be invisible and I was really successful being invisible. I could be quiet. Nobody would have expectations of me and I would just move through the system. I didn't realize that that coping strategy would actually have, um, you know, consequences when I went to high school. So when I went to high school using the same strategy, I chose not to go to classes and chose to hang out at the Bancroft library most of the time. Um, and I ended up getting kicked out of Berkeley High, going mm -hmm. to Albany High, getting kicked out of Albany High, and then graduating finally from East Campus, the continuation mm -hmm. school. Um, still, I didn't understand. I knew, I knew that it wasn't that I wasn't smart, right? I knew that, but I didn't understand why it didn't work for me. I couldn't mm -hmm. figure that out. Well, I had a few formative experiences with people where I really felt seen. So I was accepted immediately. And when those places in my life happened, one was a summer camp that I went to every summer. I was seen, I was appreciated. My stories were listened to, mm -hmm. I, I thrived, right? Another was a dance company that I was a part of. Again, I was seen, I was listened to, I was taken care of and I thrived. And I think those two experiences started helping me keep my self-esteem because flunking out of high schools, you feel pretty bad by the time you're done. Uh and then after high school, I went off, moved up to Santa Rosa. I found another community that saw me. I found the native community up in Santa Rosa. Again, found a place to belong, but realized that I didn't have skill sets for, the, for this big world. And I found out I was pregnant. So I knew I needed to make changes. So right. then I went back to college and I went to Mills and I graduated Mills in two and a half years. So I knew that education was something I could do. Uh -huh. but what was the stop? And I had to really take a long look at my own, my own story 
And what I realized was when I became invisible in the system and how the system was not set up for me. Um, and so that's really been my motivation to be a teacher and to stay in education is to really make sure that our students are seen, their stories are heard, they have value, they understand the system, they can navigate it. Right. So that they have, you know, agency to move through this, this and, you know, become a successful adult. So I think that, yeah, I think that that was, it was my own struggle that had me look back and inspired me to, to go into education. The theme of invisibility is so central to why we're drawn to teach ethnic studies. Yes. As we, as people of color, or as members of the LGBTQ plus community, or as women have been invisibilized by society. And such a powerful image mm -hmm. in that you, you picked up on that invisibility for yourself at such a young age, and now are able to help children that are at around the same age you were when you first became like cognizant of it, you're mm -hmm. able to help them to make sense of what they're feeling. I, I just find that really an in, incredible, like full cycle that you've, you've come back to, you know, being that child and now being able to teach the children that are experiencing life in, in a similar way and help them to be and feel seen and heard. I, I find that very powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the piece that you are seen and heard and it is a safe place is one part of what I strive for in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But the other is also really deconstructing the codes, right? Don't be intimidated by this. Teachers are here for you. Like, I just thought you show up and something was supposed to happen or I was responsible for, for both any success and any failure, right? There wasn't this partnership. There wasn't this understanding of how the system worked. And so mm -hmm. that's another piece that I really try um, right. to understand and to find the patterns within the system so that they can understand their own agency to be able to navigate it. I'm wondering in terms of ethnic studies itself as a, as a field, as a discipline, what are the, the most important reasons, you can, you can narrow it down to just two or three, the most important reasons that you feel our young people in the Bay Area, in the state of California, in the nation need to be exposed to ethnic studies? I look at some of the social challenges that we're having right now and think if, if only we had stronger ethnic studies in the K-12 system back then, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before too, like the work that we're able to do is thank goodness built upon, you know, the shoulders of the third world liberation front and the civil rights movement of the seventies. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to be children of our parents were part of it. I and mean, we're the children of that. So our education was a little bit shifted and we were allowed to study ethnic studies in college and, and recognize the power. Um, and then now I'm seeing this next generation even more involved in taking it. And I also see this journey of ethnic studies from college to high schools and now pushing in schools. It's interesting because I also see tenants of ethnic studies have always been in foundations in sort of preschool, you know, ECE, TK classrooms. But once you hit the main system, 
any aspect of <laughs> ethnic studies, recognizing your identity, learning true history, kind of gets pushed out the window, right? Or it's rebranded as a multicultural education. True, true, absolutely. It's simplified. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it, it, exactly. That's been like my goal is to bring it back, right? Don't be afraid. And if we have this language and if we can work through these ideas, how much more of a just society might we be in today? So there's one thing, right? I think that it can, it can change lives. It can change communities. It can change policy. Mm -hmm. right? The skills that you learn and that you employ when you study ethnic studies. I mean, I think central to it is truly the place of understanding who you are, how you got there, and then your interconnectedness with all the people and systems around you. And then the choices and the empowerment to be able to make decisions and choose your life. I mean, that's really what I see as central to ethnic studies. And I know it started out, right, with the four disciplines and really this, this historical look, but I've seen it evolve. Mm -hmm. I've seen it evolve into this place that, you know, the end result is, is a whole self, is a healthy whole self. And, and that's that's my hope in this complex United States that we live in. What are what are some? Can you share a little bit about the work that you do in Oakland Unified School District? Um, aside from, I know you're out of the classroom right now, so you're you're in a, a different position where you're helping to develop. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the work that you've been doing over the last, you know, three years or so. Yeah, or more. Yeah. Obviously, I'm I'm standing on the shoulders of your work, right? So. I, around 2016 or so in OUSD, students, again, brilliant, wonderful students, sort of led the charge along with some teachers and a board member, and they really pushed to, to have ethnic studies in high school. Now the folks in 20, and totally muddy say this was your, this is your domain, so stop me if I'm getting anything wrong. Not at all. <laughs> in 2016, when, when this push was being developed and frameworks were being you know, thought through, um, although it landed primarily in high school, the intention behind it was always K-12. Yes. Um, so that, that being there is what's allowing me to push forward the work that I'm doing. That happened. And then in 2020, there was another board resolution that was passed. And it was in response to the ethnic studies model curriculum. And that, that's another podcast. Right. <laughs> and right. what happened with that and where that's at now. And that in OUSD, we wanted to make it really clear that we are supporting all of our learners, that we're not mm -hmm. leaving people or stories out. And so there was another board resolution and that was out, pushed out in 2020. And within that, there were lines that said things like, it's kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade, that curriculum will be adapted, that teachers will have training and resources, that I wanna say professional development was included in there as well. I'm not looking at the resolution right now. But but being 2020 and everybody at home, I completely read the resolution and then started making phone calls. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I see it here. Let's get going. Mm -hmm. And so from that conversation, we were able, the conversation and the resolution, we were able to pull together. And then that evolved into a year-long cohort of teachers that are working on um, revising our frameworks, thinking about the standards, seeing if things still align and match up. And especially in the K-8 domain, because like I said, the emphasis prior to 2020 was mostly in high school, um, and to work on curriculum development, to spend time, paid time, to actually look at their curriculum, create units that meet the needs of their students. 
then we've been doing that. I think we're on our third year long cohort and our third summer session. And last summer we had over a hundred teachers um, want to participate in our summer session. Wow. So the, the desire is there. Teachers want the information and the knowledge. Um, we want the community. Our students are receptive. We are also working with, um, working on third grade curriculum right now mm -hmm. with community responsive education, really looking at how to infuse ethnic studies in, in our core subjects. Hopefully those things, so that we'd have a strong ethnic studies focus in third, we'll have a strong ethnic studies focus in ninth because there's already been some units developed. Um, so when, 20, when AB 101 comes down in 2025, our teachers will not just be left out there on their own, they will have something to ground themselves in ethnic studies. The training and the curricular time is needed and desired for the teaching staff and also just the connections, right? For teachers to meet other teachers, to learn from each other, we are our best resource. But now also like the admin side, how do we get this to have support and understanding from the administration side? So how do we train whole schools and leaders there as well? Hearing all of this is, is so humbling because when I, when I first got into the work, I was still, I believe I was teaching middle school at the time, I had begun teaching in 1997. I think you and I started roughly around the same year. And I have always taught, even in elementary school, I taught through an ethnic studies lens. So I can completely see the vision of having the thread from TK all the way through 16, which is really college, community yeah. college, you know, um, state college, university. And and we know that ethnic studies isn't just a class that you take, you know, it's not just like one isolated course. It's, it's really pedagogical and it's, it's, it's embedded in not only the coursework, but the way that we interact with youth, the way that we build community and create a safe space for students to be critical and think about what is their role in challenging or taking on the issues that we society very clearly is grappling with right now. Yeah. And it's just so very exciting to see the the work that I was a part of along with Young Wan Choi and, and uh, Elizabeth Humphreys and uh, Chela Delgado and, and so many others to see this work building into what we had originally envisioned because when we when Young Wan and, and Lizzie and I first convened this latest version of the ethnic studies, ethnic studies, people worked on bringing ethnic studies into Oakland long before we were even classroom teachers. So to be fair, we want to acknowledge that, like you said earlier, you know, we're all standing on someone's shoulders. But the latest iteration was a blending already. There were there were teachers that were teaching kindergarten, second grade. We had various levels across the grading scale of teachers that were interested and saw a need and saw clearly the the vision, the, the way to thread it through. It was just a matter of kind of doing what you all are doing now, which is looking at and redesigning frameworks and building the curriculum that doesn't yet fully exist so that you can then share that curriculum with other teachers as they step into these roles brand new. And I'm just so excited to hear that that OUSD is pushing forward with this work. I really hope that 
you know, at all levels of, of administration um, yes. throughout the district, the school board, the union, that everyone continues to support this important work because we know that you know, in, in many ways, the work is in jeopardy right now. And obviously, again, yeah. it would be a whole other podcast. Yes. But, but we do know that this is important work. It is work that's necessary. It's work that is wanted by young people, by families, by the community, by educators who have already been doing this in isolation right. for decades. And I'm just so proud to have been a part. I, I know I'm no longer in Oakland. <laughs> down the road at uh, in Union City at Logan, James Logan High School, where we do have um, an ethnic studies department. And currently I'm in discussions with Fatima. Yeah. And so Fatima and I have been bouncing around the idea of trying to bring to Union City, to New Haven Unified School District, a similar model to what we have built out in Oakland Unified and going a12 because there's already a strong foundation there are educators at the elementary school level that have been hard at work trying to make this happen and i think that it's definitely doable and i'm just excited to continue to have oakland as the ultimate model here in the bay i think ousd has a very unique model in being tk through 12 that other districts are still aspiring to or are in the process of, of making that happen. So it's very exciting and humbling to see you all continue this work. And I'm, I'm hoping that, of course, I can continue to, to support and push in in any way that we can keep working together. It, it's truly amazing. And, and not only the work that's happening here in the Bay Area, but statewide and also nationwide. I know that the folks out in Arizona in Chicanex Institute for Teaching and Organizing, otherwise known as Chito, are going to be celebrating their 10-year anniversary of their... One of the tenets of ethnic studies also is its community liberation, right? Mm -hmm. It has to come from the community. It has to come from us. It has to come from the teachers. Right. And the teachers are the experts in what they're working with. And the students are the experts in their lives. And we have to start trusting us again as professionals. And I'm seeing that there are, there's always pushback, no doubt. But there are districts in the Bay Area that are really, really looking at that, listening to that concept, and, and approaching it. I know San Leandro TK5 Mm -hmm. was able to create teacher-directed history social studies curriculum for their, for their uh, and it does have a strong social justice ethnic studies lens for their community. And I just think that, you know, I hope that we continue to go in that direction. And the gift out of 2020, out of the pandemic, right, was Zoom. <laughs> the gift of the course was Zoom. But through Zoom, we were able to get these teachers, like you said, who have been doing it in silos in their classroom, perhaps just grew up with an ethnic studies lens, but didn't realize it. And that's just how they exist in the world. And suddenly we're able to bring them all together and connect them. And when that happens, the synergy that happens, the lessons, the units, the conversations that come out of it are actually what's driving a lot of this work. And, and we do know that the community wants this. The students want it. And I think that is the most important lesson, lesson that we can learn from this work is that for the last 50 plus years, people have been demanding ethnic studies. People yeah. know that this is the direction that we need to go in if we want to resolve a lot of the issues 
that we see every day on the news. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I took ethnic studies in Mills and I have, I have one of my degrees in it. And um, thank goodness, because I think that's one of the anchors that gave me the power and the knowledge to be able to go and look back to figure out my place in my education story. But it gave me the skills to go back and look at my education story, unpack that, right. work with it, and then move forward, right? Mm -hmm. And at that time at Mills, there were only three of us, but the, the professor there, Dr. Miko, basically held us, you know, in her arms and said, we've got this and we kept moving forward. And then, you know, you and I were on that panel for the 50th anniversary, you know, it's just grown, right? You see the growth, you see the connectedness, you see the success of students staying in, in school, finding their place. I, um, I also, you know, I, I know some people think it's a little cliche, but I really do believe that ethnic studies saves lives. Yeah, yeah. It saved mine. It sounds like it saved yours too. Yeah. Know that it has saved my students yeah. in many ways. And I'm excited that in the next few weeks, I'll be, I'll be bringing actual live students onto the podcast as well to talk about the impact that these courses have had on them. And they won't just be students that are in my classes right now. These will be students that have taken ethnic studies um, courses in college, students that were impacted in, at the high school level, and even students that were impacted in elementary and middle school as well. So I, I feel like we need to make sure that the work we do is always, always centered on our students, on their needs, their stories, and, and what it is that they want out of their education. Absolutely. There goes the agency, right? The action yeah. steps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think Santiago Cubales, who we're working with in some of the curriculum development work, she's out of San Francisco State. I believe she has a wonderful TED talk. I've seen it before around how ethnic studies saved her life. Definitely have to dig that one out for sure. Any final thoughts that you would like to leave listeners with today? One of the things I think about a lot though is with this work is just embrace it, be open to it, take it in, in yourself in the small micro microcosm of your existence and your family and your ancestry and where you wanna go as well and then take that liberation and move with it, right? We need that in the world right now. Um, I think that, that that might be, walk it. You know, ethnic studies is a living yes. academic field that moves and changes, engage with it, pick up a book, you know, <laughs> right? Just Definitely. be present, be part of it. Don't be part of the reaction, but actually be part of it. Um, yeah, I think would be one of the thoughts. Beautiful. And, and we know that ethnic studies has something for everyone. Absolutely. Every single human being on this planet can benefit from ethnic studies. That's right. That's right. I, I think I mentioned this to you. I had a third grade student many years ago who just recently, this past week, got in touch with me because she's getting her degree in ethnic studies at yeah. the University of Chicago. And she wanted to interview me for her thesis or one of her papers or something like that. Yeah. So it does. How does it that go? It comes full circle. Oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It's also nice, you know, it's been it's been a while since I've been in academia. Right. And so much has changed and so much is still the same. You know, some of the language is gone, but those core concepts are there. And um, yeah, it's just wonderful. Oh, that's that's beautiful. I, I, I would love to be able to hear that interview as well someday. Yeah, and, it, and I guess the University of Chicago's program, I don't know, I shouldn't say anything because it might be all wrong. Right. But the, she's taking this 
this series of three courses and it's in like race relationships, diaspora and indigeneity. And that's something that's so central to, I think the land that we are currently on, right? Is indigeneity and diaspora and race relations. We have to understand this. We have to give it time and energy and thought. Yeah. And we have to stop being so afraid of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Why is it so scary? Yeah. The folks that, you know, feel threatened by it. It's, it's not about threatening anyone. It's about bringing people to understanding and then moving forward together. And that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. So hopefully more people will begin to understand that with time. And in the meantime, we keep doing the, the heavy work. We keep pushing <laughs> through, we keep pushing forward, knowing that we're doing good work every day and that we're doing right by our students, which should, should supersede everything else. And sharing all those stories, all those narratives, the stories yeah. of struggle, the stories of resistance, including the communities. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, I want to respect your time. Thank you so much for, for spending time with me today. And I just want to ask one last thing. What, what is the best way for people to contact you if they want to know more about your work or support your work in any way? Sure. Um, my email, leahiaguilera at gmail.com. Is it okay if I type that into the, the notes for the, this podcast? Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah, and you might want to plug the Ethnic Studies, the OUSD Ethnic Studies website. It's a little clunky right now, but, <laughs> but you can find our standards there. Um, you can find our pedagogical principles. You can find our themes that run through kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Um, so check it out, ethnicstudies.ousd.org. It sounds like an incredible resource. I think a lot of folks would benefit from it. And I love that you are creating a website that is open to folks even outside of the district, because I think another thing we need to work on just really quickly as an aside is the idea that, that we want to share the knowledge and not just keep it in one little siloed space for ourselves, but that we actually, you know, share this information and make as much of it public as we can so that that folks in other districts can learn from from Oakland's amazing accomplishments. Absolutely. I'm going to clean up the website. It's still a little clunky, but it'll be a start. <laughs> I think folks will understand and appreciate it either way. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Leah Aguilera please go to the episode notes to be able to get her email and the direct link to the OUSD Ethnic Studies website. And until next week, in la quiche.